What's next? This is a question we're all having to ask and answer more frequently. I'm Jenny Blake, your host of the Pivot Podcast and author of Pivot, The Only Move That Matters is Your Next One. For show notes from this episode, visit pivotmethod.com slash podcast. If change is the only constant, then let's get better at it. Here we go. Hi, everyone. I am thrilled to have John Jance returning to the podcast. John is, he may not even know how much of a friend tour slash mentor he is to me, even from afar. He's also a marketing consultant, speaker, and author of Duct Tape Marketing, The Referral Engine, Duct Tape Selling, The Commitment Engine, SEO for Growth, and his newest book, which is the topic of this conversation, The Self-Reliant Entrepreneur, 366 Daily Meditations to Feed Your Soul and Grow Your Business. John, welcome back to the show. Well, thanks for that lovely introduction, Jenny. It's great to be back. The referral engine, I say this on our previous podcast, which is episode 70, in case any of you want to check it out, pivotmethod.com slash 70. It was on the referral engine, which is one of the books that changed my life, changed my business. It just gave me permission to do marketing in a word of mouth sort of way and yet still systematize it. But alas, today we are talking about the new book, which is really it's so beautiful because it's the culmination of your three decades of business experience. And I can tell that you're weaving in a whole sense of reverence and nature and spirituality directly front and center into this book, whereas it may have been more in the background for previous ones. Yeah, so, so I'm not as sneaky as I thought I was, huh? <laughs> I love no, it. You're so right. It's, it's definitely, um, it's definitely front and center. I mean, it's, it, it's probably, as you said, uh, you know, I've been doing this 30 years. There's probably a lot of just kind of my reflection on uh, everything I've done, not only in my own business, but I've, you know, I've worked with tens of thousands of small business owners now and just felt like, um, I felt like I was expressing kind of how I see a lot of those folks, you know, feeling about the world. That's what I love that there's these 366 daily lessons, but it's so clear as I was reading through them that every single one has those decades of experience and what thousands of businesses that you've influenced, if not hundreds of thousands at this point. So it's really cool because yes, you're getting a daily nugget from the transcendentalists of our time. That's really the, the wisdom of the 19th century is the focus of where the quotes come from. But then I just love how you weave in specifically for the entrepreneur's journey, your take and your daily question for reflection. So it's just like, it's so cool to have your depth of experience combined with transcendentalist wisdom and some romanticism as well. And then helping using that, as you say, to challenge today's entrepreneur to remain fiercely self-reliant while chasing their own version of success. Yeah, it, 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 it's probably more of a workbook than a book book. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> like that you, you're not going to read this book, you know, cover to cover. You're, it, it is, as you uh, alluded to, it is a daily, you know, you pick up, it's October 23rd and tomorrow's October 24th and you, you, you do that reading. So it's kind of meant to be something that, that works into what I would call more of a practice um, than, than a book that you're just going to sit on the you know, corner of your desk and say, yeah, that, that one's next up for me to get to it. It's my hope that a lot of people do 
and I know a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs are doing kind of morning ritual kind of things that, that get them going, get them kind of charged up for the day. And, and, you know, this fits probably pretty lovely into that. It takes about two minutes to read uh, one of the, uh, the pages and then uh, hopefully reflect a little bit on the question that I leave you with. I was telling you before we hit record, one of the courses I took when I was at Union Theological Seminary, where I'm currently on leave while working on my business. <laughs> um, you could have been in this class, John. It was called American <laughs> Theological Liberalism, and yep. it covered the big thinkers of the 1800s, which includes Ralph Waldo Emerson. And I even wrote an essay. I was looking it up for this conversation. I wrote an essay on, called The Apostle of Self-Religion about Ralph, Ralph Waldo <laughs> Emerson and he was a very progressive thinker at the time and, and saying that all humans are given the gift of reflection via their inborn soul. And just that notion was heretical in some circles that each individual has access to the divine. Well, and that, uh, and that even though we were all unique, we're all connected, you know, which is, of course, a very, um, you know, Eastern ancient tradition that I think the transcendentalists were, were some of the first to bring to America. And you're right. They, you know, that was a countercultural movement uh, that uh, at the time they, they turned a lot of heads saying, no, you don't have to listen to the preacher or the teacher or the, your parents or, um, you know, politicians. You, you need to carve out and understand what your own unique path is. Absolutely. And also it's it was so interesting studying American theological liberalism, which is really focuses on Christianity. That course did, because yeah. here you have this 2000 plus year old religion, but then Americans, which America was founded on freedom and independence. So what happens yep. when Christianity collides with this American ethos of freedom and independence? And then who is more staunchly freedom loving and independent than the American entrepreneur? <laughs> Yeah. And that, that's why I think this writing actually is is so timeless for entrepreneurs. I mean, you know, think for yourself, go your own path, you know, trust yourself. I mean, these are all things that entrepreneurs have to do on a daily basis. And this was some of the first writing that that really addressed that. And, you know, you mentioned the the, the romanticism uh, period of this. You know, not everybody that I cover, you know, certainly would have considered themselves transcendentalists. But when I got into this, I initially went looking for Emerson and Thoreau and, the, you know, the people I knew. When I got into it, I realized that even the fiction at the time, um, books that we all had to read, Scarlet Letter, Little Women, Moby Dick, the, that was the first time that in American literature that the protagonists were, were fiercely self-reliant as well. And so I think there was really a lot going on, you know, at that time. I mean, we were, you think about it, uh, you know, 1850, we were on the cusp of the Civil War. Women were marching in the streets to get the right to vote. We were trying to abolish slavery. I mean, it was a pretty upheaval uh, time. And and so I think a lot of the writing kind of reflects the first people, I suppose, giving us permission uh, to, uh, to, you know, carve our own path. Yes. And I mean, it is such a fascinating period of time for all those reasons and those huge social movements that were happening. And the fact that I think we forget reading some of those quotes because they are timeless, reading some of those thinkers, even today, you, you know, you include Mark Twain, Henry David Thoreau, Frederick Douglass, Emily Dickinson, some great Walt Whitman. I mean, it's an epic list of people who you've sort of curated from. But America itself was just wrestling with who are we as a country? What do we stand for? You know, what does it mean to, to make it here versus anywhere else? And um, yeah, a ton, of, a ton of European influence still at that point, for sure. Yeah. 
So of course I, I, uh, I caught on May 13th, there's a great lesson called everyone pivots. So I'm going to read a little excerpt because it's totally, it's related. Just for you. <laughs> I thought you might've, you know, it's I thought you might've. It's probably your birthday, isn't it? <laughs> no, my birthday is October 9th. And I also pulled today's today. Cool. So we'll get to that one too. Cause that's a, that's an epic one as well. In Everyone Pivots, you say self-reliant entrepreneurs always pivot. It's become trendy and startup circle in startup circles to use the term pivot as though it was created in the last decade or so. But it simply implies that you should question everything always and ask if there's a better way to do it. Try, measure, learn is a universal truth in business and your willingness to change your mind is what keeps you both committed to your dream and self-reliant. And then you say in parentheses, don't forget the measure part or you'll feel the urge to pivot because you're bored. So, <laughs> so good. Um, talk to me about how you have navigated change throughout your, I would say, isn't it 30 plus years in business well, at this uh, point? Certainly coming up on 30. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How you navigate change. And I'm also curious about the intersection of faith or spirituality and running your business for you personally, how do those two things intersect and how does your spiritual practice inform the decisions you've made in your business these last three decades? Well, you know, a lot of these answers are kind of with the gift of hindsight. I don't know that, you know, that I necessarily went on a path uh, that I said, Oh, this is what I'm going to do. And this is how I'm going to do it. I think you get, I think you get to where you get, you know, by experiencing a lot of things, by trying a lot of things, by being open to change. That's that was really the whole point of that uh, pivot thing is that I think, a, you know, there is a balance. I mean, there are a lot of people that, that, as I said, just get bored and they think, oh, I want to go do something different, which actually can be OK, too, <laughs> because if you're bored, you're probably not doing your best work. But. I think a lot of entrepreneurs get very locked into, no, this is what we said we were going to do. This is, this is what, you know, I told my mom I was going to be. Um, and, and we're kind of loath to disappoint them. Um, when the, you know, we discover a better way, we discover something that's, that's truer for us. And we, you know, we hold on, you know, way past the point where we should. So that was hopefully what I was giving people the permission to do. But I think they're also, you know, for me, I do get bored pretty quickly. I do like to experience new things. And so, well, I haven't, I mean, I've, I've been duct tape marketing forever. I've been working with small business owners forever, but there's always an, an element of me trying to unearth uh, new things. I mean, this, uh, this book is a fairly radical departure from, from, you know, the way I have written, um, and, and what I've written about. Um, and for me, it was something I needed to do to, to, you know, stay passionate and joyful in, in what I'm doing. I was just going to ask you about that because when I said to the pivot community that I was going to be starting at seminary school, and again, I, I entered union the fall of last year. So fall of 2018. And then I went on leave halfway through second semester in the beginning of 2019. Any, any case, when I announced this pivot of mine and I was still running my business, I wasn't closing or shutting down any of my income streams or my business, but a lot of people responded to say, wow, this is so interesting. You know, I'm very spiritual myself, but I don't bring it to work, whether they were working within a company or, or as an entrepreneur. And so I would imagine that you must have gone through some question cycle for yourself around, hey, I'm known as the duct tape marketing guy. I work with businesses. Did you have any qualms about 
creating your next piece of thought leadership in this area, or in a way I could also see, it could feel like a big relief. Like, ah, this is what yeah. I really love. <laughs> you know, it also seems really well, fun I, to work on. It, it has something that I've, you know, maybe it hasn't come out overtly, but it's something that I've been working on for 20 years. Um, my, my, when I started my uh, business, 25 years ago or so, like all marketers, I got t-shirts for my business and <laughs> to promote my business. And, uh, there was an Emerson quote on the back that said, there is no object so foul that intense light cannot make beautiful. And so, so this vein of literature and this kind of spiritual path that I've chosen myself, you know, is something I've been doing for the better part of 20 plus years. Um, and I, it just, to me, it culminated in kind of these two things, the, the transcendentalist literature and my desire to kind of share where I think I've been and what, you know, I mean, let's face it, this book's about what I believe. <laughs> and so it, uh, it was, um, hard, uh, and scary. I mean, there certainly was a point where I wondered if, you know, who in the world would think that, that, you know, what right I had to write this book. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm completely, um, I'm completely happy with how it turned out. And, and frankly, the response, you know, since people have started to get their hands on it has been, um, overwhelming. I have to say what I really love about it is there's a lot of daily, there's a lot of books with sort of a daily page that a person can read. But I've never seen one for entrepreneurs. And it, I, I love how you acknowledge that just the journey of an entrepreneur is you say, quote, the spirit of the entrepreneur is understood as much as a force of energy as an institution. And, and that really struck me when I read it, because it's just to say that it can feel lonely and confusing and overwhelming. And as you say, we go through cycles as entrepreneurs for that you mirror to the seasons and yeah. your cycles are planning, discovering, evolving and growing. And I would also imagine there's one phase that's kind of retreating or pausing uh, or reconfiguring or pivoting, but that this book is like, oh, somebody wrote a daily bit of encouragement for me. You know, <laughs> that's kind of how it feels. It just acknowledges the inner growth that the entrepreneur journey inherently has built into it. Yeah. And it's funny because obviously everybody comes to something like this where they are. And, um, it, it I'm really, um, been pleasantly surprised, I suppose, by the amount of people that say this is, you know, yeah, you put entrepreneur in the title, but this is the self-reliant person, <laughs> you know, it's okay. so true. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> because Absolutely. I mean, it really, it, it's about mindset shift. It's not about how to do anything. It's maybe about why to do it. And I, I think, you, you know, Jay, our, our mutual friend, Jay bear, um, put on the cover. This is, you know, this is a book about, you know, making a better you makes a better business. And I think that that's, you know, that's true of any endeavor. A better you is going to, you know, is going to be better for the world no matter what you're doing. hundred percent. Where do you see this fitting in with your business? So given that you've done so much in the duct tape arena, do you have a new direction that you envision coming from this? Um, I, I, I certainly, I mean, most of my speaking, which I, you know, I've done for a long time has been very practical nuts and bolts, how to do things. Um, I certainly intend to, um, to at least, um, you know, present these ideas in much more of a, what I would call inspirational kind of keynote uh, format. So, uh, we'll see. I mean, if, if that, you know, becomes a, a direction that, that takes me in some new places, 
I, I love that. I mean, I, you know, I love working with entrepreneurs. Uh, I love that, um, literature folks have been reaching out to me on this, um, spiritual, um, folks have been reaching out to me on this book. So, um, I, I think, uh, it'd be really fun, uh, to go into some new directions, I suppose. You know, it still probably will be entrepreneurs, uh, but to, to kind of, um, venture into some new communities, you know, maybe where the, the duct tape brand isn't that well known. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like there will be a lot of creative extensions. Uh, speaking of which, I want to read us. So today, the day we're recording this is October 23rd. So of course, I went to pull. Well, what is this day? So this one is your creator. And I'll just read the quote, the epigraph at the top from Ralph Waldo Emerson, his book, Self-Reliance. Ralph Waldo Emerson writes, character, reality reminds you of nothing else. It takes place of the whole creation. A person must be so much that they must make all circumstances indifferent. Every true person is a cause, a country and an age requires infinite spaces and numbers and time fully to accomplish their design and posterity seem to follow their steps as a train of clients. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that particular passage. Well, I'd probably sum it up in the first line that I wrote, you know, you are not a user, a vendor, a customer, a boss, a team member, you are your creator. Um, And I think that that, you know, that spirit, you know, has to be what we embrace. Uh, It doesn't mean, again, it doesn't mean you go out there alone and, you know, you don't get help and tons of help from other people, uh, but that you get to decide what success is. You get to decide, you know, what you want to do. You get to decide what's enough, (laughs) you know, and and I think that that's um, hopefully Somebody described it that, that, you know, the, the book is is part inspiration, part kick in the pants, you know, part make you think, you know, hard with with, you know, the challenge question of if, if you really you know approach it seriously. Um, and so I, I think everybody gets to decide, you know, what this means to them. Um, and I think that it will be wildly different than, you know, maybe what I thought. Um, but I, I think that. It, it, it's, you know, it's meant to be kind of a practice that becomes part of your um, thinking, because what what I've experienced, at least over the years, is that if I do something like this, some soul searching, you know, before I start my day, uh, somehow it shows up in the rest of my day. I mean, even if it's if it's a, a really good positive thought that I think, well, I, I need to work on that, you know, and then you just kind of tuck it away in your subconscious and then something happens typically during the day. And, and all of a sudden now you're witnessing maybe how you're responding or how you're reacting um, and whether or not that serves you or doesn't serve you instead of just simply reacting. The challenge question from this day is, what do you feel is the essence of your destiny? Are you living it? Which is such an epic question. You can see how this one question could be the meditation for the entire book. I'm curious, what do you feel, John? What is your destiny? And how does it express yourself in business? Well, I've always felt like I'm doing it. I mean, it's, I suppose it's, uh, it's, it's morphed greatly, but I, I feel like the impact that I have is, you know, helping small business owners get their lives back, um, <laughs> helping them, um, you know, survive one day at a time. I mean, that's what I've been doing for, for 30 years. And, and in a lot of ways, this, you know, this book ha- is a more creative, um, a- approach to that, I suppose, but it, it's still meant to serve those people that, that, that want to do their own thing, that are doing their own thing, that, that are experiencing, you know, the joy and freedom, but also getting their life sucked out of them at times. Um, it's my, kind of my goal to, 
to, to have us all go, you know what, this is the, this is an awesome thing we get to do. <laughs> you know, let's, let's be joyful, uh, in that, you know, rather than, uh, experiencing, uh, you know, pain in this thing that's so, supposed to be so free. I love the way you put that of helping small business owners get their life back. And it feels like you do have such practical, powerful work with duct tape, duct tape, everything. I'm just going to say, and yet this is it's such a great compliment to go with it, which is the inner game and these practices of meditation and journaling. Uh, another, another concept that you said every entrepreneur should embrace is blendingly as it perfectly mm -hmm. defines the contradiction inherent as you struggle for progress. Can you share with listeners what you mean by the word blendingly and why that's such an important skill? Well, I, I, I stole that, I think, from Melville, wasn't it? I'm not on that page, but I think it's from me a, either. <laughs> a, a Herman Melville writing. And, I, and just that word hit me. I remember reading it thinking, that is the perfect word. I mean, it has everything in it. It's got, first off, it's a made up word, but also, really, at least I think it is. Um, but it's also got so much action doubt, <laughs> you know, fear, um, you know, security. I mean, it's just like all these things are baked into it. But I, 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 to me, it's always kind of been a point of view. I, I feel like, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs share this. I don't feel like I'm that artist who like goes, there's a blank wall. I'm going to create something really awesome. Um, I've spent my entire life, I think, looking at this and that and that and going, oh, wait a minute, how can we put these things together or how can we rearrange them or how can we use a concept from architecture or calculus or something to bring into uh, how to build a small business? And that um, I think that skill is probably the greatest opportunity uh, for you know most entrepreneurial innovation. You know, we're probably not too many of us going to create the next Google, but there, there's a lot of things that we can do to make our mark um, by looking at how we can rearrange the universe. Oh, I love it. It's so it's so true that so much of original thinking is a blend. I mean, even this book is a blend. It's a blend of transcendentalist and romanticist thinking plus business plus entrepreneurship. Uh, it's funny you mentioned Google because today I was listening to their most recent um, earnings call for investors, which is like one of the nerdier things I have done in my business <laughs> because I thought, why on earth? I even worked at Google and I say that those five years were like the best NBA I could have gotten. But John, I have to say for the first five years of self-employment, I didn't, I didn't focus on business units. It was just me. Like, I didn't divide it into marketing, product development, engineering. And so today, randomly, I got the inspiration, actually, while well knowing we had our conversation to go listen to their earnings call and, and think like, what can I learn from Google? And I thought, I wonder how many solopreneurs are going, picking their favorite public company and listening to their earnings call. And it just occurred to me that well, why couldn't we do that? That seems like actually a pretty good idea. Not everyone has to listen to Google. Just pick someone, a, com a public company that you appreciate their products and how they do business and go listen to that and just see what could we apply to our own business. So in a way, that's a blending exercise. But absolutely, it's also just it kind of occurred to me. I'm like, I'm so grateful for your work because you do help with that structure to small business where small business owners are wearing so many different hats. Yeah, no question. I know that was like also kind of a tangent. I just had to tell you that <laughs> when you mentioned. I, I, think, I think it's brilliant. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, I have a book by Christopher Alexander. I'm, I'm turning around now. So um, 
it's on the shelf, but it's called a pattern language. Um, oh. and he is an architect and, uh, and he talks about, um, actually the, the book that I really love, he's got like three or four, but it's called the timeless way of building. And it just talks about, how communities are formed and, and, you know, what works and doesn't work when you're trying to build, you know, a, a community. He did a lot of designs for like universities and things like that. And I just, first off, he's a brilliant writer. It was beautifully written. You'd think he's writing about architecture, <laughs> but, uh, I get so much from that book that I have, you know, over the years applied to the same idea of, of business community. Um, because it, it really is all about, you know, the human interaction. And oh, I love that. My, my um, parents are both my dad's an architect, mom's a landscape architect. So I wonder if that book is on their radar. But it, I, it, it is it's, so it's fascinating. It's or, or so. So, I mean, it's not a new it's not a new book at all. Yeah. Just the idea of patterns and pattern recognition. And I, I think that's another skill of the entrepreneur. I don't know if this relates to any of the daily essays, but pattern recognition. And I think it's so interesting. So I'm almost 10 years into doing this full time, which that's almost crazy to say, but it's like, there does become a certain select pattern recognition that happens within one's field. It's almost like I've probably ignored many patterns that I could have paid attention to, but I have my slice of pattern recognition. And I almost yeah. feel like, don't you feel like on some level pattern recognition is unique to each person? And it goes back to that Emerson quote about your unique soul or destiny or expression. It's almost like we are each pattern recognition machines set up with a certain bank of curiosities that we're following. Yeah. And I wonder how many people, you know, turn those off and clog them up and <laughs> do all those right. kinds of things too, because obviously it requires a, um, a fair amount of openness. Um, I think to, to not, not only have what you call pattern recognition, but, but as you also pointed out, the curiosity to want to go say, well, why does that do that? <laughs> you know, and, and why, you know, why do, why does that excite people? Why does that work? Why does that not work? I, I feel like that's to the point where I drive people crazy. Sometimes I feel like that's all, almost all I do all day. Is pattern recognition? Well, there's, there's be curious about why yeah. things work work. Yeah. Yes. And I would add, there's the desire and the curiosity. And then I find it really helpful to have an actual, actual tools for pattern recognition. So I use Evernote and I have a notebook called curiosity. So I'm always clipping articles, research, data, organizations, personal anecdotes, people that I find interesting. I just clip them all. And I've had this now, this one folder for five, almost five years. I feel like mm. there's a book in there. I just don't know what it is yet. Like I, I could, collected a haystack. The haystack is a curated selection of something, but I just don't know what yet, although it's there, the tool, it's a kind of, the pile is going to start shaping itself at some point. Well, I tell you the, the, the one for me that I get the most out of is, is nature. There's, there's so much in nature that has patterns and has things for us to learn. Um, that, that, that to me is, you know, going and sitting under a tree in a forest is uh, probably one of the most refreshing things I can do. And, 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 you know, if you read fully through this book, you're going to find, um, a couple, uh, essays, obviously everybody knows Walden, you know, was, was supposed to be about nature, but I have a, I have a lot of essays and a lot of opinions about, uh, nature being such a great example, uh, for how to live. 
Yes. We both shared, I say it a little differently in pivot, but we both kind of have the statement, like, would you rush a flower to bloom? No, (laughs) you know, so why are you, and that may even come from Zen writings. I'm not sure, but you, you also said something really interesting, which is that nature has no desire to succeed. And when I read that, of course, I did think about the counter argument, which would be that elements in nature are inherently driven toward their own survival. I guess that's Darwinism. But I, I love that what you meant it to say, which is nature has no desire to succeed. The seasons just are. The seasons aren't each trying to beat the other season. And who's a better season? We get all four of them, especially if you live on the East Coast <laughs> or in certain climates. We get all four. They're not in competition. They each have their time. They each have their purpose and their energy. So I'm curious. I'd love to hear you riff on this notion that nature has no desire to succeed. Well, to, to, you know, the, the Walden quote, I think that's actually January 1st, isn't it? The Walden quote that, that accompanies that uh, reading is really kind of his take on the idea that, you know, why should we be in such desperate haste to succeed and in such desperate enterprises that, you know, we all have our path, we all have our nature and, and that, you know, we expend significant amount of energy trying to control the things we have no control over, like what other people think, whether or not it's going to rain. I mean, the only thing we really have any control over is how we show up and you know how we respond to what goes on. Um, and I and I think that if we can if we can release the need, you know, to try to control everything else, um, not only will we probably get to our destination in a way that maybe feels like luck, but we're going to have a lot more joy and happiness uh, on the journey. I'm really glad you brought up luck because there's another quote that I pulled. You said, isn't it possible that your lack of control actually created what you characterized as luck? Your letting go created your fate. And then the prompt for that day is, what does luck feel like? So that I've never really heard anybody combine a sense of surrender and, and going with the flow with luck. So that was really interesting. I'd love to hear your thoughts on what creates luck and what luck feels well, like. And, and a lot of this comes from, you know, experience. I mean, how many times is like you're driving somewhere and, you know, the road's closed and you're like, oh, great. Now I'm going to be late, well, whatever you know, you're stressed out about it. And then you like encounter this amazing thing you've never seen. It was like, you know, you were destined to go that way. And I, I know a lot of people can, you know, get, um, you know, you can get sort of overboard with that idea, but I think if you start embracing it, you know, then all of a sudden something that looks like a roadblock, you might actually start going, Oh, awesome. This was supposed to happen. I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to encounter something, you know, even better. Um, because I, that to me is, I think, um, the way the world works. And, and so when we get all upset about, Oh, this thing didn't work the way I thought it was going to, um, we create all this stress and, and unhappiness. And, you know, we yell at somebody, you know, which is just crazy. Um, and so imagine if we, in our entrepreneurial journey, just, looked at so many of the things. Now, I mean, there are things that we can do where we mess up and we make a mistake, you know, we weren't ready to do something. Um, and so it felt like a failure, but what if we looked at pretty much everything that happens? I didn't get this order. I didn't get to meet this person, you know, that, that there was a reason that that happened, um, and start looking for the reasons. 
feel like that is the most sane way <laughs> to go about life and business because then everything becomes learning. Every single thing that happens is part of the learning and the growth journey. And it, it's interesting. I mean, I just love hearing your take on it. And it, there's a saying, expectations are resentments in waiting. And the <laughs> same is true for business. So the more we expect and attach to outcomes, you're so right. It creates tunnel vision and then we miss a lot. And I've certainly found that the less I attach to, of course, exactly as you're saying, the more luck we can experience because we're more open and we're not attached to any one route or path or outcome. Yeah. And in fact, I'd love to get your take on this because for about three years, even when Pivot was launching, I had no attachment to how many books I sold or my rankings. I certainly was committed to doing the best launch I could, but I was also marketing with magic and serendipity. And those were my driving, those were my drivers at the time. And then this year I've been doing a big business restructuring, deep dive into business books and even business thinkers. And there are so many who would say, you have to set clear revenue targets and then you have to work toward them monthly. And then you have to check in every week. And I feel like that sets up so much attachment. And, and of course you could kind of set a revenue goal and then say, oh, and I'm not at all attached to it. But the minute you choose a number, you know, at any given moment, whether you're succeeding and failing. And some people seem to really like that and it really motivates them. And I just, for me, I struggle with it because I feel that it it sets up expectations, whereas great things can still happen. And my revenue still grows year over year, even without that like targeted obsession. I'm curious because you've worked with so many businesses where you fall on this kind of business goal setting. Yeah, I, I probably fall closer to yours. I mean, to me, it immediately kind of robs some of um, the the joy in, in you know, the journey. Right. Um, and I do also know that particularly when organizations start having, it's not just me and I get to decide what I want to do. And, you know, if, if I'm happy, then, you know, who cares? Um, when you start having a team and you start having uh, people that are are trying to understand, you know, what their impact is and trying to understand if they're making progress. I do think having metrics is, is extremely important um, to, to measure what's working, what's not working, who accomplished what, you know, what, what, what do we need by when? I mean, those are all things that, that when you start having uh, multiple people in an organization, they become extremely important to just make sure there's not chaos. Um, but as you said, I think where a lot of companies get knocked kind of out of congruence even is, is if we're going to make our number, I mean, you, you've probably encountered the salesperson that is so driven to make their number with something that, you know, they're, they're willing to uh, throw any kind of value uh, or core values, you know, out the window. And I think that that's where it starts to, uh, to really be a negative. That it reminds me the base camp guys, the two co-founders, they mm -hmm. look for year over year growth which I think is a sane way. They call it a calm company. That's like a calm way to run a business is definitely year over year growth without obsessing over any one specific target or some far off goal. Yeah. And, and I think it's kind of fun to, to, um, to come up with metrics that are actually more a marker of, you know, you're living your brand purpose. Um, so you mentioned my book, the referral engine. I work with a lot of companies where, you know, referrals are their ultimate measure. Um, and, and so, you know, they set up systems and they'd set up things to get more of them, but, but they also realize that that, you know, that first off revenue is going to be there, you know, because they're getting, you know, high quality referrals. 
but it's also it also points to so many other things working. The experience is great. You know, the client you know got the value or the, the what was promised to them. So, you know, a lot of times uh, there there are markers that are way better than revenue. Mm, that's a great reminder, and even just that we ha- we can have certain markers or metrics that are uh, indicators of so many other things in the chain going right. And exactly, r- referrals are one of them. For me, with my books, I always think word of mouth is is it like if every reader tells one friend, it will sell and it will sell over and over over time. So that was always my goal with my at least two so far two books was that it be good enough, helpful enough, inspiring enough that someone finishes and they tell their friend, hey, you got to read this book. Yeah, my my marker is that I just want everyone to take a damn selfie of the with the (laughs) You know, post it on Instagram. That will make me happy. Okay. You hear that, everybody? If you're listening, John wants a selfie. He wants a selfie and a bookie. That's like a book selfie. Uh, um, you said, this is so good. This is from a course I took with Pamela Slim almost five years ago now, but I've re-listened. You said, make sure you're a product of your product. Mm. What do you mean by that? And how might it tie into one of the concepts you talk about in the new book? I mean, I'll probably get around to answering that last part. What it what it meant, you know, to, to me was that if there's any possible way that you can, you know, do what you're telling other people to do, <laughs> um, you know, the, not, not every business works that way. But, for example, I train a lot of marketing consultants. Um, that's part of my business model. And, you know, we tell you got to have a Google My Business page. We tell our clients you've got to be blogging. You've got to be getting reviews, you know, all the things we tell them to do. And, and you know, nine times out of ten, we're not doing them ourselves. So, there, there is a very practical nature to being a product of your product. Um, in my opinion, it makes it much easier for you to demonstrate to somebody, you know, why you are saying this works. Um, if, you know, if, if in my business, if you came to Kansas City, Missouri and Googled marketing consultant and I didn't show up number one, shame on me. Yeah. <laughs> You know, no pressure. So, yeah, that may not. (laughs) Well, I mean, that may or may not get me any more business. But if I'm going to tell you, plumber, uh, that you need to be showing up number one when somebody, you know, types in Kansas City plumber, um, then wouldn't you want to hire the person that that actually, you know, was doing that themselves? I mean, that's that that's the bare essence of that idea of being a product uh, of your product. And I'm going to pause you right there and say, listeners, John started his podcast in 2000. Five. So if you want to talk about being a product of your product and, and being early to marketing and getting your word out there, I just think that's so incredible, John. I really, that's one of my like fun facts about you that I think is so epic. You've done so many episodes. You are living it. You do consistently put work out. And, and we talked on our last Pivot podcast, episode 70, about just the foresight and the willingness to experiment that that required. It's not like you could see the huge podcast movement coming, but you were willing to get in there and do it when there weren't nearly the amount of tools that there are today. Or listeners well, probably for that matter. You're going to let me get on my soapbox for a minute with that I comment. love your soapbox. Go for it. <laughs> um, so the reason that worked for me is because I didn't go into it because I thought it was the next big thing. I looked at it and said, this is going to give me an opportunity to talk to wonderful people <laughs> that had I sent them an email and said, hey, Seth, 
You got about 20 minutes for me? I got to ask you some questions. Um, Seth Godin, I'm talking about. Um, of course. Know. What other Seth would there be? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, Sorry, that, other Seth. I, I probably wouldn't even gotten a reply. Uh, but when I started saying, I would like to interview you so I could promote your book. Um, I was an invited guest now <laughs> um, to, to have that same 20 minute conversation where I got to ask him a bunch of questions. And so I think a lot of times people look at some new thing and they think, oh, I'm either going to do what I see other people doing with it or this is the next new thing. And what I've always done is looked at Twitter and you know all the things that came along you know as I was building my business and said, how can this help me do more of what I'm already doing? Um, and that's where I think the real disconnect is that you know a lot of people jumped on the podcast thing uh, in the last five years because they thought, oh, I see X Y Z person you know getting all this ad money and talking about how successful they are because they have all these listeners, and so I'm going to do that, um, and and maybe abandoning you know what they're. Uh, air quotes, real business is in order to go chase that thing. And, and so everything I've done is, is tried to say, look, here's my core business. Does this thing help me do it better? And I think that that's such a great filter for, you know, looking at, you know, some of the things that you want to do or, you know, how you want to use your precious time. Yes. And I, I just love what you said in there about you didn't go into it because you thought it was the next big thing. And that's such an important distinction. There's, there's entering a new space for the like the business ROI purpose of it. And then there's what you did, which is saying, how can I authentically connect? And is this aligned with my core business? And that that's going to bring so much more joy. I mean, if we if we do connect it to the self-reliant entrepreneur, I would say actually, you know, part of this conversation is being self-reliant of you're not looking at just what everyone else is doing or how others are doing it or even what metrics are acceptable. It's like, you're kind of relying on yourself, your intuition, your spirit, your business's spirit or essence and what that purpose is. And as you say, these are daily meditations to feed your soul and grow your business. So it's well, kind well, of like always re retuning in to who am I, who is my business and where are we called to go? Not just where should we go? Yeah. And I think that what that also does is it helps you, it gives you staying power. I mean, I had three listeners maybe when I started. So, you know, it wasn't about the listeners necessarily or about the audience or about advertising. It, it, it you know, I knew that maybe that was going to come. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of things that we do that we have to put in the work. And if you don't have some other sort of secondary thing, uh, the, the, the staying power is tough. That, that brings to mind because it's, it's, I think, what the metrics focus does is say, oh, this isn't working. I only have three listeners. I should quit. So I also think someone's likely to pivot too early or shut something down versus if you can find that inherent joy or as you described access. I mean, I'm very thankful too. I had questions for you, but I'm, I was just going to save them for this podcast. <laughs> you know, Like I actually, and I'm happy about it. I don't really worry about reaching out to you and saying, John, I, could you help me with this business thing? No, it's like, I'm really happy to to chat with you every time you have a book coming out or, or get you on the podcast. And it is, it is a great way to connect with people in, in a way that is so beneficial to all involved rather than that soul self-focus. So I love, there's some built-in paradox to your new book. <laughs> yes, we're self-reliant and that allows us to connect really authentically with the communities we serve and with our colleagues in whatever space that we're in. We're like, we're like trees in the forest, Jenny. Yeah, I love we're that. Or leaves on a tree. 
every single one of us is unique. We, we don't, uh, I mean, we, we protect each other from the wind by being together. We, our canopies don't get into each other's canopies, but if you look <laughs> at our roots, they are connected and we're feeding each other and helping each other, you know, through that. So how's that for a really oh. sappy, sappy metaphor? Well, sappy is a good tree pun as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a book I haven't read it called the hidden language of trees but I, I own it it's amazing have you read it I have oh my I, I loved it so much I got there's an illustrated version that is I mean the photography is amazing wow. um, so it, it is is such a great well it's so aligns with how I think about you know our place in nature yes. <laughs> the trees don't need us by the way no, of course not. Right. Of course not. We're like interfering with the, <laughs> the trees. Um, we should both, because I know you have a podcast too. We got to get that author. Yeah. Uh, we, I'd love to talk to him about the hidden language of trees. I think it's... Uh, I, Is it a woman? I think he's like Scandinavian or oh, something. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Fascinating. Uh, I love the tree metaphor as well. And I was just thinking as you were picturing that, I was picturing sometimes there's a baby tree and you're like shaded under a bigger tree and that tree <laughs> provides some shade or protection from the elements. So this forest metaphor can go far. I'm into well, it. When you, when you get into to, to that book, you'll, you'll, I mean, the, you'll see all the connections about how the, how the trees actually do help each other and talk to each other. Oh my God. It's amazing. That's <laughs> incredible. It's funny. I brought that up in a class at union. I said, you know, trees talk to each other and someone, it was kind of a, sometimes a crazy environment. Like someone was like, duh, we all know that we all know that trees talk to each other. And I said, actually, we don't. Because if you look at what's happening in the world, like we here at Union in New York City might have the sense that trees talk to each other. But certainly the rest of the world, not everybody seems to be protecting our precious trees. I know. So now, now I'm off my soapbox. John, <laughs> it's always a joy to connect with you. Thank you so much for being here. Can you please let listeners know where they can find you and keep in touch and get your book? Sure, you bet. So the book's available uh, pretty much everywhere people buy books. Um, there is an ebook version, but I'm making a case for this is an analog book. You want this on I the second that. I agree. <laughs> that side table. Um, but uh, there are you know other options available uh, anywhere books are sold. You can, if you want to just find out a little more about the book and, you know, some I've done, you know, collected all of the interviews like this that I've done in one place. It's just selfreliantentrepreneur.com. And, it, you know, you can find what I've been doing the last couple of decades at ducttapemarketing.com, D-U-C-T-T-A-P-E marketing.com. And I think, uh, Jenny, what do you think? I think that this book will make a great community. So, you know, if you think about it, um, everybody's going to be on the same page the same day, theoretically. Um, so I think there's a real opportunity for people to maybe uh, be able to go deeper into some of these, not only the, the writings, but, but you know, how they're wrestling with the, the questions. So I do plan to, to start a, a community called Daily Self-Reliance. Oh, I love that. And I agree. I have the digital version because I got an early copy to prepare for this conversation. And I remember saying right, just a few pages in, I was like, I got to go get that hardcover. <laughs> Definitely. It's that kind of book where you'd want to hold it. You can even there's a prompt. So some space to write in it. And and I, I agree for these 366 daily meditations. It's the kind you can turn to at any time or flip open anywhere you want. So I can't wait for the community. That's exciting. Well, and I even talked to my publisher into putting a ribbon in it so that you can mark your place for the day. I was adamant that it had to have a ribbon. That's fancy. I love I love books (laughs) with a ribbon. That's how you know you've made it, John Jantz. 
<laughs> it was touch and go, but they, they relented. Well, way to get that ribbon. What color is the ribbon? It is a nice royal blue. Ooh. Cover of the book is orange, um, very bright orange. And so I thought that those two went together well. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Oh, my goodness. I love it. And everybody, the book is called The Self-Reliant Entrepreneur, 366 Daily Meditations to Feed Your Soul and Grow Your Business. And as always, the show notes from this episode with the links are at pivotmethod.com slash podcast. John, thank you again. It's such a joy to have you here. Awesome. Thanks, Jenny. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Pivot Podcast. Make sure you don't miss an episode or my insider tips and templates by signing up for Pivot List, a curated twice monthly newsletter where I share the inside scoop on what I'm reading, watching, listening to, and the latest tools I'm geeking out on. Sign up at pivotmethod.com slash pivotlist. Get show notes from this episode at pivotmethod.com slash podcast and connect with me on Twitter at Jenny underscore Blake. Remember, build first, then your courage will follow. Hasn't it always? Always.